0: That you're here tonight. hope you've got your Bible with you. If you don't have an Old Testament, perhaps there's one in the pew close by. We're going to be looking at some Old Testament things tonight and several of the Sunday evenings following. Israel of old was served by a body of men that claimed that they were speaking from God, and the Bible calls those men prophets. God called these my servants the prophets. We won't trace every one of these references, but you have a host of references before you. 2 Kings 9, 17, uh, 13, Jeremiah 7, Ezekiel 28, Zechariah 1 in verse 6. Just a host of passages where God would refer to the prophets as my servants, the prophets. God spoke in Deuteronomy 18 through a great prophet, Moses, about the greatest prophet of all. Which one, Moses? but it was about the Messiah as interpreted in the New Testament. And so let's see what he said, because this serves as a basis for all that we talk about on prophecy. So Deuteronomy 18, beginning at verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, this is Moses speaking, from your midst, from your brethren, him shall you hear. According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let us not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see the great fire any anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Verse 19, And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, Which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet is spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So what did we learn about a prophet here? Well, God puts his word into his mouth. That's what he said at verse 18. God said, I will put my word, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, Moses, and I will put my word in his mouth. And so a prophet is one where God puts his word in his mouth. Verse 19, God said that he would reject, and we should reject the prophet Uh, that is not a spokesman for God, but to reject the prophet who is a spokesman for God is to reject God himself. So if you reject to hear him, God said, I will require that at his hand. So if we reject a spokesman for God, the prophet of God, what he says, we're rejecting God himself. Then there was the test of the false prophet. If one prophesies and it does not come to pass and he's a false prophet. And that then serves as the standard by which all prophets were to be viewed. All through the Old Testament there would be prophets that would speak, and what they said came to pass. They were true prophets. There were those who claimed to be prophets they would speak, and what they said did not come to pass. Well, they were false prophets, and so all prophets were viewed by that, that standard. I want to suggest to you that studying the prophets can be confusing at times. How so? Well, we raise, have to raise the question, as we're studying the prophets, when did they prophesy? So we come to a particular prophet, it may be the prophet Amos, maybe Isaiah, it may be Obadiah, and the question comes as we start, when did he prophesy? Was it very early or was it very late? When did he prophesy? And we have to determine that. Some it's very easy, others it's a little difficult. Then another question we have to raise is to whom did he prophesy? Was he prophesying to the nation of Judah or to the nation of Israel or was he to another nation that was not among God's people? And so whom, to whom was he prophesying? And furthermore, Who were his contemporaries? That is, who was prophesying about the same time? Whether it be to another nation about the same time or in the same nation, were they working in the same area? And was he speaking more to the city folks or to the country folks? We see that particularly in the minor prophets, that question will be raised. And so where did he prophesy? Did he prophesy in Jerusalem? Did he draw? prophesy in the country? Did he prophesy in uh, Judah? Did he prophesy in Samaria? Where did he prophesy? And furthermore, how does it fit into the story of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah? What kings were coming to play at that time? Were they good kings? Were they bad kings? Was the nation going into sin? Was it coming back out of sin? Was it a period of, of restoration or was it a period of departure from the Lord? Those questions have to be answered. So let's talk about My Servants the Prophets tonight, just kind of an overview of the prophets. And we plan to come back later and do some studies of Isaiah and then Jeremiah in kind of a short order. We'll talk more about those studies a little bit later. Let's talk about My Servants the Prophets. Let's talk about some terms that are used for prophets. The first term that becomes obvious is the term prophet. And so through the Old Testament God would use this term prophet to refer to those that were indeed His prophets. Now I give a number here and I'm not going to reference to that each time but if you're caring to, to study on your own that's a number that Strong's number you can look up in any of the references and find out what that word was. But anyway this is the word. What did it mean? The word that is translated prophet this simply means a spokesman, one who is a mouth for God. Now let me give that as an illustration from Exodus 4 and 16 and making comparison to Exodus 7 and in verse 1. This is talking about the time when Moses said he was not an eloquent speaker. And so God told him that Aaron, your brother, can speak for you. Here's what God said about that. He shall be your spokesman. That's Aaron to, to, uh, to Moses. He shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. So you're going to tell Aaron what to say, and he's going to be your spokesman. He will be your mouth for you. Let's go to chapter 7 now in verse 1, same book. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. Now I just learned something about what a prophet is. A prophet is a mouth for the one for whom he is speaking. He is a spokesman for the one for whom he is speaking. So when God talks about my servants, the prophets, these were servants of God that were his spokesmen or were his mouth. The word prophet comes from a compound word meaning pro, meaning in the place of or before, and then the basic word or the, the substance of the word is a speaker, the one who goes before or in place of the speaker. So instead of God being the speaker, God chooses a speaker or a spokesman, and that person is a prophet. So a prophet just simply means here is one who is speaking in the place of another, one who is the spokesman for God. So if he was a true prophet, he is God's spokesman, and that's what Deuteronomy 18 was about, Christ being the spokesman of God. Here's another term we don't use as often, but it's found throughout the Old Testament, and we forget about the term, particularly when we get to the New Testament times, we forget about this term. But when we go back to the Old Testament and study, we see this term coming and surfacing again, and we're reminded this is a term with reference to a prophet, and that's the term seer. There are two different words that are translated seer. The first simply means literally to see, and it's the idea of of him seeing the revelation from God. Let's go to Isaiah uh, 2 and in verse 1. Isaiah the prophet, we're going to talk about Isaiah, one of the first prophets we want to talk about and get a survey of Isaiah a little bit later in another study. But chapter 2 and in verse 1, the word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. So this is what he saw. And it may have to do with the idea of a vision that he sees, but this is the revelation that he saw. And so here is what he saw from God, and therefore he delivers that. So here's what he writes, here's what he preaches, here's what he speaks, but it's what he had seen or what he saw. Samuel was called a seer, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and in verse 9. Amos was a seer, Amos 7 and in verse 12. And these were simply men who were prophets. Now there's another term that's translated seer. It means essentially the same thing, but it's the idea of one who sees a vision. In other words, a revelation from God. It's the idea again of one who sees a vision. It's used of the prophet of Gad in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and in verse 11. So he's called a prophet, he's called a seer. Now I want us to see those terms are used interchangeably at times and this time in 2 Kings chapter 17 and in verse 13. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by his prophets every seer saying turn from your evil ways. So the term prophet and the term seer were used interchangeably. Let's go to another passage where they're used interchangeably. 1 Chronicles 29 and in verse 19 we see the terms used interchangeably the two terms translated seer and that's why I put the numbers here and the term prophet are used interchangeably and so what I see here is this is uh, now the acts of the king of David first and last indeed they are written in the book of Samuel the seer there's our first word meaning to see in the book of Nathan the prophet there is one who is the mouth or spokesman for God and in the book of Gad the seer and here's the word has to do with seeing a vision and so a seer and a prophet were one and the same thing Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, if you will, chapter 3 and in verse 17. Ezekiel chapter 3, sometimes a prophet would have been called a watchman. Um, God said that Ezekiel was a watchman. Ezekiel chapter 3 and in verse 17, he said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Well, it's the idea of being one who is a protector, he is one who's watching out for their good, guarding protecting them and warning them. In that sense, he warns them through the message that comes from God. So he is called a watchman. But he was also called a man of God. Let's turn to first Kings quickly, chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17 and in verse 18, we see that Elisha was referred to in verse 18, 1 Kings 17 and in verse 18, that so Elijah, so she said to Elijah What have I to do with you, O man of God? Now, there were others that were called man of God. For example, Timothy was called in the New Testament time a man of God, but the prophets were often referred to as men of God. So here were men of God because they were spokesmen for God. They were warning people, therefore they were called watchmen. They received visions. They were called seers, and they were the spokesmen for God. I'm more interested in the, the work of the prophets. What was their work, and what did they do? And so what was his job and what was his function as a prophet? Well, one of the things that he was to do was to foretell the future. That's one of the first things we think of when we think of a prophet. When we're talking about foretelling the future, this was not merely a forecast or a prediction where I might forecast who's going to win the election this year, or I might forecast what the weather's going to be for next, uh, the next month. And that's a prediction or a forecast. May be correct, may not be correct. May get mostly correct. But this was telling in details hundreds of years before things that would happen. For example, a prophet would foretell the fall of and the rise of specific nations. And so we see that in Isaiah. And I'm not going to take the time to to go through all that we find in Isaiah. But let's turn over to Isaiah chapter chapter 13 just to kind of get a gist of this. Perhaps from uh, previous studies of the book of Isaiah, you will have chapter 13 beginning... As a section that has to do with the nation section, many of the prophets have a, na- a section that we label as the nations section, where God prophesies to His own people. But then there is what about the nations around, and there is a nations section. So, starting in chapter thirteen, there was the prophecy about Babylon, and Babylon is going to fall. It's not going to get bigger and rise, but it's going, to, well, it will rise, but it's going to ultimately fall. Well, there's prophecy in chapter fourteen concerning. Uh, or 15 concerning Moab, Moab, and what's going to happen to Moab. There is a prophecy against Damascus in chapter 17, and Ethiopia, chapter 18, Egypt in chapter 19. So here are prophecies against the nations, specific nations, what would happen, how it would happen, and when they would fall. There would be specific leaders that were foretold hundreds of years in advance. Like Isaiah 44 talked about when the Persians would rise, the name of that king would be Cyrus. Not that there would be a Persian king to rise, and he's going to be in power and turn the people back, but the one who 70 years later would release them and turn them back to their land, his name would be Cyrus. And so God was very specific. They were foretelling the future. For example, Jeremiah 25, verse 11 and 12, as well as 29 and 10 there was the prophecy that the captivity in Babylon would last for not 69 years or 71 years, or approximately 70 or 75, but it would be 70 years, and it was 70 years exactly. So they foretold the future in details. There was a great deal, and we're going to have one particular lesson toward the end of all of our studies on the prophet prophets, when we talk about the Messianic prophecies. And that is in the uh, there, there were many references to the Messiah. For example, we'll see in Isaiah that he would be born of a virgin. Not that a Messiah is merely coming out of Judah or out of Israel, but he's going to be born of a virgin. He would be born Micah five and two in Bethlehem, a specific city. That they, he would be sold for thirty pieces of silver, Zechariah chapter eleven. Then he would ride into Jerusalem on his triumphal entry upon a donkey, Zechariah nine, and in verse nine. Well, that's only four of over 300 prophecies that give us great details concerning the Messiah, every one which was fulfilled. So what we're saying is the role of the prophet, one of the roles, not necessarily the primary role, but he would foretell the future, and he did so concerning particularly the Messiah. But the primary function of the prophet was this. I say it was the primary because this is mainly what they did. Not that there is a passage that says this is more important than foretelling the future, But the bulk of a book like Isaiah, the bulk of Jeremiah, of Daniel, Ezekiel, Lamentations, those are the major prophets, the bulk of the book is simply calling people to obedience and preaching to them about their sin. And laced in that would be prophecies of the Messiah and of the nations, etc. So let's get a sampling of this. In Isaiah chapter 5, for example, there is the rebuke of Judah. I'm not going to read every one of these passages, some of them we will. But what I want you to see is the mission and the message of the prophet was calling the people to obedience. So Isaiah 5 was a rebuke of the nation of Judah. Isaiah 22 was a condemnation of, of Jerusalem. In chapters 28 to 35 there is woes against the people of God, a whole series of woes that are pronounced against the people of God. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah, let's take time to turn to this one. Jeremiah chapter 1, we see the picture that Jeremiah was to speak words to the people. In other words, he was God's preacher. But God is saying, I'm going to deliver you the message, and I want you to take it and preach it to the people. That was his function. That was the primary function of the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 7, the Lord said to me, do not say, I am youth, for you shall, you shall go to all whom I have sent you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. I'm going to tell you what to say. You're going to go preach to them and you're going to tell them exactly what needs to be said. Verse 17, same chapter. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you and do not be dismayed before their faces lest I dismay you before them. In other words, don't be afraid of the people. You go and you preach what needs to be preached. You tell them what they need to hear. He indeed was a spokesman. For God. Chapter 2 was a rebuke of Judah. Chapter 3 was a call for repentance. Ezekiel chapter 3 and in verse 4. Let's take the time to go to Ezekiel chapter 3 and in verse 4, just to get again get a sampling of what a prophet's message and a prophet's mission was. It was to speak the words of the Lord to them. Chapter 3, verse 4, the book of Ezekiel, and he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with, with uh, my words. To them. You take my message, you preach it to them. So the primary function of these prophets was to carry the message forth. Chapters four through seven was a disobedient nation, how they needed to return, and how they needed to respond. Now, so that was the work of the prophets. It was twofold. They did foretell the future. We're going to see a great deal of that. But the primary function of the prophet was preaching to the people, and we're going to see that as we talk about some of the major prophets in a moment or in future studies. Now this is a uh, a time uh, graph that you've seen many times in Bible class. And that is, this has to do with the divided kingdom period. And what I'm trying to illustrate by this, this is uh, right here the period when the kingdom divided, right over here at this, this point. And so we have the kingdom of Israel up here, and then we have the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom down here. Now all of these are the kings, and you can't read all of that, but it will list whether he's a good king or a bad king. All of the kings to the north were bad kings. There were some good kings in the south. But what I want to show you is simply where the prophets may fit in so that their work was actually not just foretelling the future, but they were preaching to the people. So as time goes on we have some prophets, early prophets Elijah and Elisha fit in here. These are are prophets that fit in at this time period. But let's go a little bit further and notice as we come down in time I'm circling now the major prophets. Why? We're going to look at the major prophets in future studies. Not the minor prophets but the major prophets and there's a reason for that and we'll come back to that later. But here is Isaiah fitting in the southern kingdom about the time of Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. They're mentioned in Isaiah 1 and in verse 1. Well, that was a period when there were some good kings, there were some bad kings, but there were some things that needed to be dealt with. So he's preaching to them at that time. Well, we come on down and we have Jeremiah, and we're going to talk about Daniel, Ezekiel, and Lamentations. Well, we're at the time when the Babylon, uh, Babylon is coming in and about to take them into captivity. This is a time right for destruction, and a need for repentance. So that's what they're preaching. That's what Isaiah preached. That's what Jeremiah preached. Well, it's too late for for some of that uh, to take place, but now Daniel and Ezekiel preaches to them about what they need to do while they're in exile and more about their exile in just a moment. Right now we know something about the terms that are used with reference to the prophets, and we know the work that they had to do. Let's talk about the schools of the prophets. And you may say, I'm not knowing anything about the schools of the prophets. Why don't we talk about that? Well, there is a common idea that there were schools that trained men to be prophets. Some of that may be based on the concept that the prophets were not inspired, and consequently that these men who were prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Obadiah, etc., these men were trained and went to school to preach and to teach, and so men had to be trained in school to preach. That may be where some of that comes from. But those who respect inspiration of the Scripture still talk about the school of the prophets. The school of the prophets, that phrase is never used in the Bible at all. But there are references to what seem to be the schools of the prophets. How so? Well, let's look at a few of these references. Let's go to 2 Kings. Now, none of these, don't be watching for it, does it say the school of the prophets? It's not going to say that. I told you it doesn't use that phrase. But I want you to notice some of the phrases that are used here that uh, cause us some question and cause us to say, what 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 on earth is this talking about? 2 Kings chapter 4 and in verse 38, Elisha returned to Gilgal. There was a famine there. Now the sons of the prophets were setting before him. There was a group that was called sons of the prophets, and they're setting before Elisha. What are they doing there? Well, we'll talk about that in a moment, what that may be. I just want you to see that there were some who were called sons of the prophets. And if you had uh, 50 commentaries before you, many of those, most of those would say something about, some think this is the school of the prophets. Um, I think it's the school of the prophets, another one may say. Another one say it is the school of the prophets, and others may just omit that, but there are a number of them going to talk about the school of the prophets at this juncture. All right, let's go further. Let's go to chapter 5, same book, 2 Kings chapter 5, and in verse 22, 2 Kings five twenty two, 22, it said, uh, again, we, we see the sons of the prophets. All is well, my master has sent me, saying, indeed, just now two men of the sons of the prophets came to me from the mountains. What's the story about? I'm not interested in the storyline, I'm interested in the reference to the, the sons of the prophets. Well, we won't take time to read every one of these, but I do want to go to 2 Kings 6 and notice the story of the floating axib. That's what we often talk about when we get to 2 Kings 6. marvelous story that is of the floating axe head but what were they doing when they were uh, using an axe head well let's see what that was about verse 1 says and the sons of the prophets whoever that is there's a group of called sons of the prophets they came to Elisha and said see now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us Now, without reading all the way through verse 7 They said, we need to build on and we need to build a place so that we can dwell with you. So they're out cutting wood, and that's when the axe head falls off and Elisha throws uh, the stick in and makes the axe head float. All right, now here's the story. That's the floating axe head, but there's a reference to the sons of the prophets dwelling with that prophet. Whoever they are, whoever these sons of the prophets are. 1 Samuel 10 talks about the company of the prophets, and then there was a group of prophets that were prophesying in 1 Samuel chapter 19. So who were they? We don't know for sure. But they seem to be, they may have been a group that came and learned from the prophet. They were called sons of the prophet. They were never called the school of the prophets in the text. But because they were dwelling with the prophet, as we just saw in 2 Kings chapter 6, and they were before him in 2 Kings 4... It seems to be that they were a group of men who came to learn from the prophets. Not necessarily that they're going to claim to be, have the same inspiration, but they may then have gone forth and taught what they learned. So here may have been a school of prophets. There very well may have been a school of the prophets. But at least a group that were listening and dwelling with the prophets, setting before him. we know they did at least those two things, that went forth and told others than what they had learned from that prophet. There is no evidence of a school where it trained men to become prophets so that they could claim to be speaking just like the prophet who was inspired of God. So, any who were taught would not have been inspired. So, if here's an inspired prophet, he taught someone, unless God inspired that man, that man's not inspired just because he heard that. And so, God called and he chose prophets. Not that. Trained and now I've qualified and I've got my certificate to be a prophet Isaiah 6 is a case of that nearly every prophet will have a section where he was called to be a prophet Isaiah doesn't talk about it till chapter 6 he was called to be a prophet God chose him to be a prophet and so that's what we know about the school of the prophets now we'll talk about those as we come to them let's talk about classifying the prophets we never studied the prophets without classifying them and how do we classify them in a number of ways we classify them by arrangement in the text of how they fit and are arranged in the text. You've seen this before in Bible class a good many times. This is the Bible library, and you recognize the Bible is not arranged in chronology. Many people think that when they get a Bible for the first time and start studying the Bible, they start in Genesis and think they're going to read chronology all the way through, and then they get confused, and that's because they have this misconception that it's all in chronology. That's like going to your local library and say, I want to start on the top shelf, and I'm going to start reading all these books, and I want to read everything in order. The history, let's just go to the history section. Well, you're probably not going to get it in chronology. It's probably in alphabetical order. And so when you come to the history section, let's say it's got a book about presidents over here. You're probably going to read about Bush before you do Washington. If you think that's chronology, that's going to be a little bit confusing. Uh, And so we're going to be out of, it's not by chronology, it's by, by subject matter. So we have law books that are together. We have five law books, and then we have 12 history books. And when we get to Esther, we're through with the history of the Old Testament. But there's many more books that fit into that period of the history. So all of these books on the second row fit into this history up here. So we have poetry books, and then we have these prophecy books, these 17 books of prophecy. Let's talk about the prophecy books. So how are they grouped together? They're grouped together by size, and that is there are five books that we call major prophets, they're called major because of their size. So you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, and Daniel, those five are called major prophets. Why? Because of their size. We have 12 that are called minor prophets, not because of their impact, but because of the size of the book. So you take, for example, Joel was just as important prophet as was Isaiah, he's just a smaller book. So that's why he's put in a different section down here in the section of the Minor Prophets. All right, we're going to focus, let me back up just a moment, we're going to focus in several lessons in giving some bird's eye view of these major prophets. And I'll tell you why we're doing that in another study. Now let's talk about how we also arrange them by chronology. And that is, we we talk, we don't arrange them in the Bible, I don't mean by that in order in the text, but we classify them by chronology. And that is, Are they pre-exile, exile, exile, or post-exile prophets? That's important. Because if I don't understand where they fit, I'm not going to understand the significance of his prophecy. What's he trying to get the people to do? And why is he trying to get them to do that? For example, there are prophets that are pre-exile prophets before they went into either uh, Assyrian captivity or Babylonian captivity. You have prophets like Isaiah and Hosea and Micah. That's just a sampling. They were all pre-exile prophets. That's going to be important to know. There were exile prophets, Daniel and Ezekiel. We're going to study Daniel and Ezekiel in a bird's-eye view, and we're going to see that they were in the period of exile. Then there are post-exile prophets. We're not going to study any of those uh, immediately, but there are post-exile prophets like Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. They fit in that period after they come back from uh, from the return, from Babylonian captivity. And so we classify them by chronology as to which period. We also classify prophets by the recipient or the nation to whom he preached and he prophesied. Now there's more than just two classifications here, but we, I, I highlight two, uh, that is Israel to the north and Judah to the south, because that's the primary distinction that's made. So when we come to a prophet, one of the big questions is, to whom did he prophesy? And the question is going to be, did he prophesy to the north, Israel, or did he prophesy to the south? Because when he talks about the condition of the nation, we need to know which king did he fit into. And there'll be some indicators that tell us where he fits. Hosea and Amos, for example, were prophesying to the north. And then here's Judah uh, in the south has such prophets as Joel and Isaiah and Micah, Zephaniah and Jeremiah. They were to the south. Well, there were others. For example, there were those who were in exile. They were neither in the pre-exile period, but they were in the exile, Ezekiel and Daniel. And so north and south's done gone. And then there's the remnant where north and south again is gone. But they've come back as one nation, and Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi would fit into that concept. And so we classify them by recipient. We also classify prophets by the dominant empire at the time, because that's important. In other words, what was the reigning threat in the period of Isaiah? What was the reigning threat in the period of Hosea? And so was it Babylon? Was it Persia? Was it the Roman Empire? Was it uh, it the Assyrian Empire? Who was that? And so we may classify them by the Assyrian period. You may hear someone talk about, now this, was, uh, this prophet fit into the Assyrian period. What does that mean? That's before Babylon raised, was raising up. And so the Assyrians were the ones who came to power, and they were the ones that were the threat. And so the prophets that fit that would be Obadiah, jo- uh, Joel, Jonah, Hosea, Amos, Isaiah, Micah, Nahum. They would fit into that period. Well, then there would be the Babylonian threat. During the time when Babylon is raising up and they are the threat, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, Ezekiel would be during that time. And then there's the Persian period when Babylon fell after the 70 years. Then Babylon fell and the Medo-Persians rose in power. Then you have Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So we classify them by arrangement in the text, chronology, the nation to whom they prophesied, and the dominant empire. Now let's talk about dating the prophets. Let's talk about dating the prophets. The date is important now. As you look at uh, the dates here, we're not going to be critical because uh, that chart, particular, is not that particular chart's not original with me. And I, as we come to a particular prophet, and we're going to look at these five, well, we're, we may vary the date just a little bit based on some things found in the text. But I present this chart more to give you the general idea of of the dating of the prophets. They were not all within the same ten-year period, for example, or the same hundred-year period. What I want you to get a picture of is kind of the, uh, the, the order in which they seem to fall and the general dates in which they prophesied. So we had prophets starting back about 850 B.C. Uh, some think he comes a little bit later. So you see in the parentheses there's some discrepancy among students as to where, where that prophet may fit. And we'll talk about that as we come to some of these prophets. So we had about 800 years before them prophesying, and the last to prophesy was around 400 B.C. So there's about a 400-year period where these prophets were working and prophesying. That's what I want you to see. And so when we talk about a prophet, we're going to talk about where did he fit in, what time did he prophesy. For example, we're going to talk about Isaiah. He was prophesying to the south. He fit in about 740 to 690 B.C. So during that time period, that's when he's prophesying. So what kings were were coming to play at that time who was ruling and reigning what's going on in the nation at that time that's very important to understand what he has to say the same thing when we come to jeremiah well jeremiah came a little bit later the nation's about ready to fall and they do fall and he goes into captivity with them well he's down here about 586 when they do go into captivity in 606 when they go in and then daniel well, was in babylon much later than that in 606 when he are they go into captivity same thing with ezekiel and same thing with jeremiah again as we talk about lamentations so that's kind of the dating of the prophets. Well, what I wanted to accomplish tonight, I don't want to notice three more simple points, but what I wanted to accomplish is to get a general idea of what a prophet is, what he's called, his work, and the classifying of the prophets and the dating of the prophets. Here's some things to watch for as we study the prophets. Watch for the prevailing condition of the time, the political condition. That's important. Because, for example, Israel and Judah were not only a spiritual group of people, they were a political nation as well. And so what was the political climate? And what kind of alliances were being made? For example, is this nation trying to make an alliance with this nation, and this nation is trying to fight against this nation? What's the political climate? We'll talk about that. And furthermore, what was the spiritual climate? Uh, It may be that the nation was rising in one way, but falling spiritually deteriorating. What's for God in the nations, God ruling in the kingdoms of men? We'll see that in Daniel particularly. God rules in the kingdoms of men, God dealing with nations, God overthrowing nations, when, and God using a nation to accomplish His purpose. And then furthermore, we're going to, as we go through some of the prophets, we're going to be noticing the Messianic prophecies. we're going to come back in one study and just try to list the Messianic prophecies that are found in the major prophets. What did we learn from Isaiah and Jeremiah? Uh, Etc. about the Messiah. What do we learn about the Messiah? And so watch for the messianic hope as we go through some things with reference to the prophets. There may be one or more present this evening who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith in Christ, and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and while we sing?